Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Lisa Brady. Changes are coming to the NFL's concussion protocol after the way an injury to the Dolphins quarterback was handled. A big hit in a Sunday game that left Tua Tungavailoa wobbly. He was evaluated for a head injury but allowed back into the game by a team trainer and independent neurotrauma consultant, only to suffer another big hit and serious concussion four days later in a Thursday night matchup. The independent neuroconsultant has been fired. Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel says his only concern is for Tua's health, and the NFL and Players Union issued a joint statement about the need for change to enhance safety, even as an investigation continues. But this injury has brought questions and concerns back to the forefront. We spoke with Chris Nowinski, neuroscientist and co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, a nonprofit fighting concussion and the brain disease CTE, supporting research and those affected, and promoting smarter sports and safer athletes, including children. He's also a former pro wrestler with his own concussion history and its lingering impacts. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's Dr. Chris Nowinski on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Dr. Nowinski. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, okay, so I have about a thousand questions. Can I, <laughs> is that all right, right if I dive right in? Sure. Okay, so um, you have really been ripping into the decision that put Tua not only on the field in week four, um, but back on the field four days prior when he was knocked down the first time. Are you hoping that his injury changes anything? Um, I'm so horrified by the care that Tua was provided or frankly not provided twice that yes, I hope this is the last time we have to go through this. Although the reality is we go through this every few years with the NFL that they put somebody who obviously is concussed back in and we put a patch on the protocol and, and hope it won't happen again, but it'll happen again. Fans who saw Tua get hit in the Sunday game, um, we're commenting on social media, you know, hey, that looks pretty bad. It looks like it could be a con concussion just from the way that he was wobbling when he got up from that initial hit on Sunday. Um, but he was evaluated. Is there, you know, a way that an expert could could miss those signs of concussion? Or is it possible that you know, there there could have been an overreaction. I mean, is you know, is it po in in any way could it be could he have been all right to be put back on the field like he was on Sunday? In your opinion? Yeah. No, he should never have been back on the field. The problem is, you know, the doctor I think believes they followed the protocol to the letter, and the protocol has flaws, but we're also relying on the doctors to make good decisions. So this happened a few years ago when uh, Tom Savage, a quarterback for the Bengals 
had what's called a fencing posture on the field after hit to the head. So he was unconscious, his arms straight out, a clear sign of uh, a traumatic brain injury. And he was allowed to go back in and the doctor claimed, well, I never saw the video. And so they mandated video review before you clear a player who's been pulled from a con for a concussion. And so the doctor should have seen the video and the video shows five distinct signs of concussions. Um, one of which is 100% specific to concussion in my experience, which is the shaking off your co the cobwebs head-to-head -head, uh, movement, which we all know and have seen and, and always assume concussion. So even if they could find another reason for him to have what they call gross motor instability or fall down and be unable to stand, they should have held him out clinically with using their judgment for the head-to-head -head side shake. Players are well known to lie about what happens on the field because they want to go back in the game. So they'll often say we try to distract and blame a different injury for what they saw in the field. But we also know players who have serious brain injuries don't remember what happened. And I think it's entirely possible that Tua didn't realize he fell down because he was so groggy. Um, you know, it, we can never blame the athlete for this. So there is um, the, the, pro the, the reason why the NFL doctor probably felt comfortable putting him back in is the NFL forever has tried to make the locker room evaluation more powerful than on-field signs. So regularly on-field signs are ignored. And that's not how you should do brain injury uh, care. So if this is your kid, if they show any signs of concussion that would necessitate removing them to evaluate them, they're done for the day. What the NFL does it is, well, if I saw something that concerned me, I'm going to pull them out and I'm going to do this protocol that we know is wrong, you know, it's like maybe 10% of the time or more. And, and, and we're only going to base it on that. Trained doctor should have seen the total picture of things, seen the signs on the field and say, I don't care if he passes the protocol. That's a concussion. You don't show those signs if you don't have a concussion and he's not going back in. Mm -hmm. there, there have been widespread reports now that the, the independent neurotrauma consultant who helped make that call um, has been fired. But the Miami Dolphins coach, Mike McDaniel, has said he's not worried about timetables. He's only worried about Tua's health. But he also says that he followed medical advice and that he had no concerns about a head injury before making the decision to put Tua in the lineup for the following game on the Thursday. I think this is a failure of leadership. Um, uh, you know, I want to give the coach benefit of the doubt, but, you know, he saw what he saw in the field. And anyone who has been around football, you know, I played at Harvard, you see somebody hit their head off the ground, get up and fall over, you're going to assume concussion 100% of the time. And even if a doctor came back and said, oh, it was his back, you're going to go, that wasn't his back. You know, you got to believe his own eyes. He never reached for his back. He never Im implied a back injury. And the idea that he can come back and play after a back injury doesn't make any sense either. You know, that back injury should have slowed him down. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, why would you put a player with a back injury back into the game is also kind of silly. So, um, so, and then you know, we made a lot of noise after the Sunday game. You know, we, my, my tweets were covered by the New York Times to say that was definitely a concussion. That wasn't a back thing. And if the coach is not paying attention to that and the team is not paying attention to that, then, you know, they should be punished as much as they can be for a failure of looking out for somebody um, who had obvious signs. And and the problem is the, the person who's going to be most punished by this is uh, Tua Tagov. Uh, so I'll start again. 
the, the person who's been most punished by this is Tua because we, they're going to try to push him back on the field this year because they're having a good year. He's going to, he's 24 and think, you know, we all, when we're 24, think, you know, we don't think about long-term. He wants to, you know, get the, you know, he wants to support the team. He wants to make sacrifices for the team. So he's going to want to go back. But what, what if he goes back and he has a third concussion in one season, besides it uh, potentially being catastrophic or career ending or resulting in like years of symptoms like it did for me when I had my concussions with WWE, the problem is he will be te- it, it, the conversational shift from the Dolphins messed up and caused Tua problems to Tua is concussion prone. And if if, he, if people start calling him concussion prone when his contract is up, He's going to make a lot less money in that next contract. And so going back this season is is basically a $100 million risk for him, at least. And I think he has the high ground to say that Dolphins put me in a terrible position. I'm not going to risk my future on this. I've got another 10 years to go uh, you know, win Super Bowls, uh, and I'm going to go do it, potentially for another team, because, again, the team's errors on this are comical uh, for if, if you – follow this and deal with this every day like I do. There's just no excuse. And the excuses that they keep putting out are just, you know, uh, so hollow to me that I just don't believe anyone cares. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hasn't the league in general, though, come a long way on this? Because... They had this billion-dollar concussion settlement with former players over dementia and other problems stemming from concussions. It seems like, you know, there's been a lot of research in recent years about the brain disease, CTE, and concussions. Haven't we come a long way on this issue, including the NFL? We have come a long way in this issue. If you think 15 years ago, the NFL was trying to convince us that they had done research that said, if you're knocked unconscious and you go back into the game, it's safe and and how dare you question our medical care. You know, at least now on their fourth chief medical officer since I've been doing this for the last 15 years, the other group, the other ones were all fired because of the things they said were so ridiculous. They're finally on their fourth chief medical officer who is saying mostly the right things, but I've been very disappointed in him this week for trying to back that the Dolphins did everything right on that Sunday. So, you know, even, even good people can are, are being put in untenable positions trying to defend the NFL and they're saying absurd things. So, I mean, the, the NFL's protocol is not driven by the NFL. It's been driven by the Players Association. They fought every single step of the way. This is another time where the veil is lifted that they really don't care about the long-term health of their players. What you know, it, it, the, everything the NFL does makes sense if you just consider it being 32 billionaires who are trying to increase the value of their assets before they sell them to the next guy. And it, under that structure, you know, putting guys back in is just a blip because they do not have to pay for their long term care, they do not have to pay for their kid, the, the, the player's kids' college if that player dies young from the consequences of CTE or too many concussions. Like none of that matters to them. And so we keep seeing 
bad bad corporate behavior and we keep seeing sort of these underdogs as players and the player association fighting for what should be common sense medical care uh, but instead is exploitation of vulnerable people with brain injuries i know you're not just worried about nfl players you're worried about children in all kinds of sports and that has led to the stop hitting kids in the head campaign what's the goal of that the goal of the stop hitting kids in the head campaign is to convince people to stop hitting kids in the head and what we mean by that is that we all know it's bad to hit kids in the head but somehow we literally have hundreds of millions and really billions of head impacts happening in youth sports youth tackle football soccer with headers uh youth tackle rugby you know, the idea that we know these things are dangerous for adults and cause CTE and cause long-term brain injuries, and yet we have kids doing the same sports by the same rules, now that I do this every day, is is ridiculous. So what we're trying to do is both tell parents, hey, don't put your kid out there like a sacrificial lamb. Whatever you think you're teaching them, you can teach them that without hitting them in the head 500 times a year. Like, that's just a fact. Right. This, so let's let's separate sports participation from hitting children in the head. Now that we know it causes brain diseases and it causes concussions, let uh, don't enroll your kids till 14 in these contact sports. But also we're working with the contact sports to raise the age at which they have contact so that kids can play those sports. So it's a little bit of a fight for the next five years. But we're going to get to a point very quickly that you're not hitting soccer balls till you're 14 and flag football is the norm until you're 14. Um, and, and until that day, I would say to parents, please, for the love of God, do not put your kid in these contact sports. Do not have them getting hit at hundred times a year, because all I deal with is the consequences of the people who have had those childhoods. And some of them, it ends up ruining their life. And what, again, whatever gains we thought they had are not worth having a brain disease. And I, and, and just to give you a note, I, I mean, I, we're, I, I just lost my college roommate who I played uh, football with at Harvard. Uh, who who showed all the signs of having CT and we're studying his brain now. And I just had to go visit, you know, his widow and four kids to talk about it. I mean, it's this is not light stuff. This is life and death. And you play, you know, so anyway, so I'm just I'm just really hoping we'll just stop doing this to children. And that uh, Tua's situation helps put a spotlight on that. Uh, this is no way to treat humans. Chris, I'm sorry for your loss, and I and I know you've you share some heartbreaking and really frightening stories as part of this campaign on the website. I mean, teen athletes who had concussions and later developed depression and committed suicide. Now, th- we really should note this is not every kid's concussion story. There are many who fully recover. So, as you say, it's it's kind of a balancing act: how to address this and keep kids safer. But you're not, you know, necessarily saying no kids play sports under a certain age because sports can also really help with children's right. mental health. Right. Yeah. No, so, I mean, the non-contact sports are usually all benefit, right? Exercise, teamwork, mental health, all those things are great. But when you start layering in hundreds of head impacts, you you start taking away those benefits and you start adding significant risks. Just one concussion can double someone's risk of suicide for the rest of their life. Um, you know, study after study is showing significant mental health consequences from just one concussion, increased risk of depression, anxiety, 
um, self-harm, what we call novel mental health disorders. So kids that were fine suddenly get a concussion and suddenly these things start popping up. And while it's happening in real time, every parent will say, gosh, is was this going to happen anyway? Was this normal? Was this something that happened in their life? But when you look at the mass data, it's very clear that you're often doubling or tripling your risk of these outcomes uh, because of just one concussion. And that's not even CTE. So yeah, now that we are compiling the stories of all these young great athletes who thought they had it all whose lives start spiraling in their teens and 20s i hope we listen and all we have to do is literally just tweak the rules of the sports for the youngest kids when it doesn't matter and we will have massive gains the only way to accurately diagnose many brain diseases including cte is to study the brain after death are are more people donating brains for research, is it only athletes who are who are doing that? Brain donation has become far more normal uh, since we've been pushing it for the last fifteen years, and, and actually, we get more than one in four NFL players who die; their families donate their brains. So it's a truly really an extraordinary sample of this population. So we get about uh, between one hundred and fifty and two hundred brains every year. It goes to, to the Boston University CTE Center, which we're partners with, which is. Uh, taught us almost everything we know about CTE, but we're also starting brain banks around the world. So Australia, uh, UK at Oxford, uh, uh, University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, we're, we're recruiting the world's experts to start to see and attack this disease in all of these countries because no one pays attention until you find it in your country. But it's not just athletes, it's also military veterans who've been hit in the head and victims of abuse. Uh, those are helping us better understand CTE. And luckily, we do have controls to compare them to. You know, Boston University is, is in a great position that they have the Framingham Heart Study as their control group, which is the town of Framingham, Mass., who's been studied for three generations, and now the oldest folks are dying. And we're seeing what normal looks like where they've been tracked every five years of their life. We don't see CT in that population. We just don't. Um, you know, it's not a normal disease you get. So comparing that to these athlete military groups where we see double digit percentages and in the high exposure groups like the NFL, you know, nearly 90 or more than 90 percent. I'm not sure what the number is right now, but huge numbers of athletes who've been hit in the head for 20 years having this disease. And so hopefully we learn something from this. And the learning is stop hitting kids in the head. And then when you're an adult, don't get hit as much or for as long or else you know, you might have consequences down the road. What about someone who just takes a hard fall, Chris? How how concerned should we be when we get just kind of a garden variety head injury? What what should we be looking for? Yeah. Or what should we do? No, great question. And, and it's always important to start with. If, if you are just a person who doesn't regularly get hit in the head and has one concussion from a fall or an accident, you don't have to worry about CTE. We just have not seen those cases. What you do have to worry about is uh second impact syndrome and mental health consequences from concussion what it means is don't put yourself in risk to get more hits to the head in the next few weeks after that concussion you probably should go see a doctor to help you recover um, and that includes that these uh, this idea that weird strange things might pop up once you injure your brain including problems with sleep uh, problems with your mood uh, problems with work uh, problems with cognition and so it's good to have medical help to help you navigate that recovery so it doesn't be, you know, become a burden on your life. You should get better. 
it'll probably take longer than you think. Some people are better in a few days. Some people are not better for months. Some people never get better from one concussion. But medical care and especially rehabilitation can help you get better faster and take advantage of it. You retired from pro wrestling after experiencing post-concussion syndrome. Were you surprised by the symptoms of it? What was it like for you? <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised. So, you know, I, I grew up in the uh, 80s and 90s when we just didn't really talk about this and it wasn't part of the culture. And so when I had a concussion at the age of 24 with the WWE that uh, sort of knocked me silly in the ring. I, I, my memory wasn't working. I couldn't remember how to finish the match. And I had this massive headache. I still dismissed it as just normal. And uh, I wrestled for an additional month, kept getting hit in the head, and it turned into permanent post-concussion syndrome. Once I learned that that was a concussion from Dr. Robert Cantu, who ended up being uh, my co-founder at the Concussion Legacy Foundation because of everything he taught me, um, I realized that I've been getting concussions my whole career. I just didn't consider them to be concussions or things worth mentioning to the athletic trainer or doctor. So I'd get hit in the head and the sky would change colors. I'd get hit in the head, I'd forget where I am. I'd get hit in the head and I would get dizzy. And none of those were, to me, worth mentioning. So unless we educate athletes, they never mention their dings or bell ringers or the, the more mild uh, and short concussion symptoms. The only reason I actually said anything to anyone is because I developed a sleep disorder that still haunts me 19 years later, uh, that I acted out a dream and went through a nightstand. And uh, that's what got me to say, hey, I think maybe something's wrong. And uh, by that time, it was too late. I, you know, 15,000 hits to the head plus a known number of undiagnosed and untreated concussions. And I've never been the same. And I have to look out for what's ahead of me. Are you hoping that we're getting to some sort of a turning point on this issue? Uh, you know, every time this pops up, we make a small advancement down the field, to use a football analogy, but we have a long way to go. You know, uh, one thing that culturally that we just don't appreciate is that when this happens to Tua, we're very hyper-focused on let's fix the protocol, let's fix the protocol. But even concussions that are managed properly do result in long-term problems. And so prevention is a much better option, and that's why we're so focused on changing sports for kids. And then the other thing, like I would argue the NFL is almost in a better place because we're talking about concussions now, which seem like an acute manageable problem, and suddenly we're not talking about CTE. We're not talking about Demarius Thomas developing uh, epilepsy from a traumatic brain injury and dying at the age of 33 last year and having and finding out not only did the, the the concussions cause epilepsy that killed him, but he also had stage two CT at the age of 33 when he died. CTE is sort of the uh, dark cloud hanging over the NFL that they never want to talk about and never comes up on Sundays. But the other thing that we need to focus on. So uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Be, uh, and, and I would argue next couple of years, we're hyper-focused on prevention. Let's make sure this doesn't happen. But I don't know how to fix these athletes yet who have brain damage, including myself. And so we are trying to help scientists do the research necessary so that in 10 or 20 years, we might have a pill we can take to stop our brains from rotting from playing football. Dr. Chris Nowinski, former pro wrestler, neuroscientist, co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.